Hello and welcome to the Right to Speak podcast with Vivian Petruno and I'm interviewing Caitlin Murray on her project that is aimed in reducing the gender inequity in healthcare and the harmful stigma around women's sexual and reproductive health. Caitlin, tell us a little bit about who you are. My name's Caitlin. I'm from Edmonton, Alberta. I'm a fourth year human physiology and leadership student at the U of A. And then I guess you can probably tell by the project I'm doing, but I'm planning to pursue a career in healthcare, kind of in the like sexual and reproductive health area of healthcare, but who knows where that'll take me. So nothing specific yet. And that's kind of what's inspired the project that I've been working on over the last few months. Great. Tell us a little bit more about the project that you're working on and why you feel like you want to advocate so strongly for this. So I think... Personally, I've always really been interested in the science of the human body and the science of medicine and all of that stuff. And that's what inspired me to pursue this career path, but also kind of, I guess, in recent years through volunteer work, I volunteer with a company called Medical Her Story. They're working to reduce gender health inequities and stigma around like sexual and reproductive health and um, all of that stuff. And I kind of realized that not only is it important for these healthcare practitioners to have that education about the physiology of the human body and all of that training, but it's also important for future and current healthcare practitioners to have the education about the social aspects of healthcare as well. So working on their own biases, realizing what inequalities are present in the healthcare system and that education isn't necessarily present or present as prominently as it should be within the education that you would get. So in medical school or nursing school or physiotherapy school or whatever it is. And kind of through these interviews, that's become obvious to me that it's not there at the level that it needs to be. So this project was kind of a way for myself to take on that responsibility personally, to work on my own biases and educate myself about, you know, all of these issues and what exists and where these stigmas and inequalities are and and how I'm going to deal with that in the future as a healthcare practitioner. And then I want to use what I've learned and then I want to spread that around so that other people can learn what I've learned because... I think it's hard to think about how these issues exist in all these different areas of healthcare too, because there's so many different avenues. There's, I talk to nurses, I talk to students, I talk to doctors and physiotherapists and psychologists and all these different areas. And it looks different everywhere and there's different ways to deal with it everywhere. So yeah. And it's not only just what doctors can do and what healthcare practitioners can do, but it's also like so much more than that, it goes all the way back to the research that's available. So for example, like things like heart attacks that happen in men and women and look so different in men and women and, and all the genders look very different, but most of the research is done on male subjects. So it's just kind of uneven there. So how we're treating that should look differently. Thank you for that. That was, that was amazing. In terms of how maybe different genders should advocate for themselves, do you see I guess, within your interviews and whatnot, is there a specific way maybe females should go about advocating for themselves in comparison? Women in the healthcare system have this stigma and this issue that they're hysterical and they're dramatizing their pain and all of this. So they're often ignored and, oh, you're just being dramatic. It doesn't really hurt that bad or, or pain is felt differently in the female body versus the male body and all of that. So it's not really taken as seriously. So I think One of the big things that Medical Her Story often talks about is coming into your doctor's appointment and not downplaying any of your symptoms and being assertive and advocating for yourself really strongly and making sure that you aren't downplaying anything because they'll, they'll take, like, it's really common for doctors to downplay it themselves. So yeah, I guess just being really assertive is really, really important. Thank you for that. 
yeah, I find in my own experience when I go to the doctor, that's something that definitely lacks within myself. Definitely for other women, it could be that. So very true. In terms of those that you've interviewed, were there any really colossal findings that you saw and that you really resonated with that you want to share? That's a good one. There was lots of, I wouldn't say there was one like big finding between all the interviews because they were all really different, but there was just kind of some interesting things that I found that I wasn't expecting, I guess. So probably the first one would be the lack of education. So a, a question I asked all six of the interviews that I did was what was the education that you got about biases and uh, you know, like how to deal with that stuff and all that training. And, and it was that there wasn't any, you know, mm-hmm. like they got some training. Okay. Like this is how this would show up in a female versus a male body, but it wasn't, you know, to that extent of, okay, here's your unconscious biases. We're going to go through this. We're going to get you to recognize them. And this is what it's going to look like when you go into the healthcare field. And this is how you need to deal with it. So that training is not really there, but it's available. People just need to outsource it themselves. That needs to be like a responsibility on the individual to go, okay, I'm going to go to an organization like Medical Her Story, and I'm going to go to some of their seminars, and I'm going to learn about this stuff and learn about how people are feeling. Or uh, one of the pelvic physiotherapists that I interviewed, she went to the United States, and she did all this training on transgender pelvises and how to deal with that and how like specifically to deal with those people and how to be inclusive and make them feel safe and all of that stuff. So yeah, like outsourcing that training is, is really, really important. So that was one thing that was kind of a really eye-opening thing that I found. I think probably another one is I was really surprised by the amount of people that I asked to participate in interviews that didn't want to participate because they thought that this wasn't an issue. They were really kind of like, well, where did you get your research question from? I don't really think this happens. I don't really think that's a problem. And and that was a really big eye-opening one for me, right? <laughs> because it clearly is a problem, but even people who are directly on the front lines of healthcare don't even know that. And I think that's such a privileged way to think about things is that you don't even think it exists because it's never affected you personally. So that's why I think it's really important to, to make people aware of this, not even just healthcare practitioners, but everyone. Yeah, no, it definitely shows the privilege, the fact that there's a lot of healthcare professionals that don't see this as an issue. I remember I I was editing a podcast that I was working on previously, and someone who is transgendered actually remembers going into a hospital, and for the first time, their doctor called them by their proper pronouns. It meant the most to him, like it really did. And so I think just with those scenarios, like validating a person is so crucial. So like, I I love the work you're doing and really like, you know, spreading this and whatnot. I guess we'll go into the next question though. So what are some next steps that you would personally want to see in healthcare and how do you think we can get there? Obviously there's no one big thing, but it may be just a bunch of really tiny steps that individual healthcare practitioners can take. So like, if I were to think of some actionable items that individuals could do right now. And and this is kind of from my interview, so I can't take credit for these ideas, but things like intake forms. So having spots on intake forms for things like maybe like a pelvic physiotherapy, having a spot to identify if you've had sexual trauma or anything like that to be, make that more inclusive or having things like pronouns on business cards, on profiles and in conversations with patients. That was such a huge thing. That was the biggest reason why I chose Callista. She was my episode three that 
I interviewed and I chose her specifically because she was the only practitioner on her website that had her pronouns up front and center. So just little things like that, I think can make people feel so much more safe, so much more comfortable and so much more included in things. So there's kind of just, I guess, just a, a really small thing that makes such a huge difference. I guess also, like I mentioned, incorporating improved and more extensive bias training into medical and healthcare training programs, or even including it as like a volunteer credit. Like, you know, maybe you have to have this amount of hours in medical school working with, you know, these types of patients and doing this and doing that. And yeah, just like something that's required so that people will actually outsource that. So for example, that Callista who did all of this training with a transgender pelvis, and now she's got this awesome training and she's got such an inclusive space in her practice. So she's super awesome. A big one that was included in one of my interviews, she mentioned this a lot, was being humble as a healthcare practitioner, because you're not always going to know when a situation comes across, you're not going to know exactly how to deal with it. You're not always going to know what to do. You know, if you have a patient that comes across and, oh, maybe you're like, oh, I don't know how to deal with this. I don't know if I'm comfortable, whatever you need to be comfortable with saying, okay, I don't know. I don't have all the answers. Don't engage with the patient. If you know, you can't give them the best possible care and you know that you can't make them feel as comfortable as possible and collaborate with other practitioners, ensure they still get the care they need and then follow up and get that training that you need to support the next patient. So being humble and remembering that you don't have all the answers and you don't have to have all the answers, but making sure that you're doing everything you can to, to better yourself for the next one. I love that. You know what? That was a very loaded question, but I feel like you you just did such a great job with all of those little actionable thank steps. You. So thank you for that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That makes a lot of sense for sure. When or how do you think this could be implemented? So do you think that this could be, you know, within the next five years uh, within our Canadian healthcare system, we can actually get this going? What we can do right now, or I guess within the next five years is get these programs going with this bias training. So maybe collaborating with organizations like Medical Horror Story to create a full program that medical students can attend, you know, maybe once a month they come to these seminars and they, and they get this training throughout their whole medical school and kind of getting the word out to medical students and all of that stuff. So I guess kind of just until we can get it engraved in the system and get it into the schools and all of that, just, I guess, making it available and making it known and raising awareness and all of that stuff. So I guess, yeah, things like this project as well, kind of, you know, getting the information, talking to healthcare workers and trying to promote it as much as possible, I guess, is kind of what I could think of for the next, the next actionable step. Thank you for that. I know that was also yeah. quite a loaded question. And <laughs> I, I didn't send that to you prior. So thanks for oh, uh, right. going through that. In terms of, of where you see this project going in the future, you mentioned that you just, you want to implement it with healthcare professionals and have, you know, people come to seminars and whatnot. Do you think that this will expand further? And if so, how, how would you see that? You know, I'd love to keep working on this project and not only now interviewing practitioners, but interviewing practitioners with the intention of creating a program like this. Mm -hmm. I think that's definitely something that would take a long time to develop, but definitely in collaboration with like-minded people like these, all these people that I interviewed were so amazing and so willing to help. And they, um, so I think, yeah, if I could get a group together like that, I think that we could all definitely collaborate and make a program with like, you know, collaborate with some nonprofits and, uh, and, you know, go to some medical schools, do some presentations, do things like that, or yeah, just, just trying to make it available. That's probably the next steps for me is kind of, you know, getting in contact with some more healthcare practitioners, maybe some more different categories. Yeah. 
Definitely. Yeah. And I could totally see that too. It's so crazy to me that this isn't implemented at this point. Like I, naive me, I thought that this was implemented in, you know, all uh, medical schools and this, this was supposed to be taught. So like, wow, like again, kudos for you for, you know, doing all these interviews and going through this. Kudos to you. Thank um, you. Before you had mentioned a little bit that you got a little flack from certain healthcare professionals because they didn't really see that there were issues there. How did you go about dealing with them? Were you just like, okay, well, thank you for your time anyways. I'm, I'm going to step away now. Or yeah, how did you deal with that? Yeah. You know, the first thing I did, I uh, originally in the first episode, I tried to get some medical students and some nursing students, but none of the medical students that I spoke to were interested. So kind of the feedback that I got was that first, they didn't think it was a problem. And second, that the questions seemed almost a little bit incriminating. And that sounded so strange to me because if it shouldn't be incriminating and it shouldn't be, I don't know, risky to answer it because somebody might come back at you. I don't know. So I tried to kind of rephrase my questions was the first thing I did. So I tried to phrase them as in, what do you as a practitioner do? What's the good things that you do rather than what are the bad things that you see? So that was a big one that I kind of had to flip my wording. So it was more incriminating is not the best word, I guess, but Yeah, it made people feel vulnerable to answer those questions because they felt like they were like revealing something about themselves. So I was like, you know what? No, Mm. what what good things do you do? What advice do you have? And and how do you help patients combat this negative stuff that's happening? Like, what do you do to help advocate for your patients rather than like what negative things do you see? So Mm. that was something that helped. And I still never got any medical students. It's also it was I guess it was their semester. So they're probably busy as well. But um, (laughs) Yeah, that was kind of one thing that I did. And and I reached out to Tori, the founder of Medical Her Story, and she kind of helped me reformulate some questions as well. And um, yeah, I, I, I didn't want to pressure anybody to be involved in the interviews if they if they weren't really passionate about being involved and if they didn't mm-hmm. want to share their knowledge. I don't want them to share their knowledge either. So, you know, if they're not gung-ho about it, then that's fine. So mm-hmm. yeah, I wasn't going to pressure anybody. So I just kind of, I tried to, you know, switch it up. And then if they still weren't comfortable, then it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that. And I think if they're not like gung ho on it, then it'll just reflect in the interview itself. The quality won't be there. So I think you went about it the best way you could. And I like the pivot that you made with, you know, changing the questions as well, or, you know, reformatting them. That's great. Yeah. So now I want to ask you is, is there anything that maybe like I haven't mentioned that you kind of want to go through and talk about a little bit? I could just take this time to mention a little bit about medical her story they're an organization i've been working with for about a year now and they are a really amazing organization and they have a lot of this stuff that i've been talking about kind of going on a small scale already so they do things like like art nights for trauma patients to go through and kind of like talk about things and all that stuff so that's a really cool one they've got things like healthcare panels where they have like female leaders come in and talk about healthcare and gender inequity and all of this stuff so that's just definitely one thing I'd love to plug them a little bit. You can find them like on Instagram, Twitter, all of that stuff, just at Medical Her Story, Her Story, H-E-R Story. And yeah, they have a whole bunch of cool programs. So until it's like created on a larger scale to be put into med schools, I think that's a really cool place that that people could start. And definitely people who are on the patient side and the practitioner side, there's resources available there for everyone. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And how did you really hear about Medical Her Story? Yeah. So it was on a platform that I found it's called flick 
what stands for female leaders innovation and something with a K and it's kind of a platform, just like an online platform where you can go through and type in kind of what you're interested in. And then it's going to come up with a whole database of female leaders all over the world who are looking for apprentices. So, um, you can go in there and find all these amazing women, um, who have, you know, they have businesses or they need help with this, or they need help with that. And then you can go be mentored by these amazing leaders, um, and get some super cool experience. So I was specifically interested in kind of like sexual health and reproductive health and, and just healthcare in general and advocacy. And so I searched that up and they came up with Tori Ford, who's the founder of medical her story. And I, uh, sent her a message and that's kind of how I, uh, got involved with them. And then now I'm the University of Alberta representative for them. So now we've recruited a whole bunch more people from Alberta, which is super awesome, but they've got people in like Australia and the UK and the US and Canada and Ireland and all over the place. So super awesome company. Amazing. Yeah. And have they been doing some stuff in terms of with COVID and whatnot online? Did they make that pivot as well? Yeah, everything for them is online actually because they're kind of they're an international nonprofit. They're based out of Quebec, but they everything that they do is online already. So they've just got all those seminars and um we do um yeah, just basically a lot of Zoom stuff, but I'm sure the whole world is doing a lot of Zoom stuff right now, so Very true. Very true. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for sharing. And um, I'd love to get your social media plugs in there and the podcast plug in there for sure. So Great. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So my personal social media is just Katie Murray, Katie with a Y. Um, and then uh, Medical Her Story, you can find them on any socials at Medical Her Story, Her Story, H-E-R-S-T-O-R-Y. And then you can find the whole series, the whole Clinical Encounter series, which is this video series that I've been doing on YouTube. So if you just look up Medical Her Story on YouTube, the whole Clinical Encounter series will come up there. There's four episodes all with different categories of healthcare practitioners. They're about like 30 minutes or so long. So give those, uh, give those a watch and uh, you can get some background for all this stuff I've been talking about from some people who know a lot more than I do. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Thank really. you.